here, and I'm thrilled to get to know uh, my new church family here in Orange. I have longed for this day. In fact, the Lord had put it on my heart a long time ago uh, from Anaheim Church. It's funny how Anaheim is set up. The parking lot is to the east of the church itself. And so you come out of church and you see the parking lot and you see the Santa Ana Mountains in the distance. And I always knew there was another congregation between our church and the Santa Ana Mountains. And I would often send up a prayer for that church, not knowing that I would be getting to know this church. It was always Pastor Oseguera's church. And I would hear wonderful things about you whenever we would occasionally get together for pastor's lunches and things like that. He always uh, expressed what a wonderful church you are, steadfast in love, your excellent working together, the numerous ministries that are out of this church. And so now I'm very happy to get to know it in person. This next part may sound a little bit strange, but I actually wish that I could put this church in a microwave. I actually wish I could put our conversations in a microwave or in a time compressor. I wish I could spend an hour with every person here today hearing your stories, hearing your faith, hearing your testimonies about the Lord, hearing about your families, hearing about the joys, yes, hearing about the difficulties, all these things that come together that make us who we are. I won't be able to have all those conversations today. More than happy to stay for potluck and have any conversations afterwards. By the way, I know people are hesitant right now about touching and getting close, but I want to say for anybody who is willing to get close, I love being close. I love handshakes. I love when appropriate hugs and things like that. And so I will not be backing off. I'm happy to wash hands again before potluck, anything like that. But I am looking forward to meeting you today and going forward throughout. I anticipate being blessed by learning from you, and I anticipate being surprised sometimes by your faith, as even Jesus was surprised by the faith of the Syrophoenician woman, wasn't he? He was taken aback. Wow, I've never seen such faith, and I'm sure there are many of those in this congregation as well. I also suspect that the Lord was arranging things because during my first year and a half at Anaheim, my family and I lived in an apartment complex within walking distance of that church. But our family was growing, we wanted to look for more, some more square footage, we wanted to move into a house, and we have a realtor in the congregation at Anaheim. I told her that location was important because I didn't want to get stuck in traffic. I didn't want to be sacrificing family time for sitting in the car time. And so we said we wanted to be somewhere between Anaheim and Garden Grove. That's where the kids go to school at Orangewood. Or maybe between Anaheim and Buena Park where my wife works. And after searching and searching, she said, well, what about orange? Would orange be possible? And I said, well, that's kind of out of the way. And she said, you'd be right near the first on-ramp to the 22 freeway, easy to get to Orangewood, easy to go up to 57 to church. And so we moved to Orange a year and a half ago, not knowing that this would eventually be part of my responsibilities. I didn't tell Pastor Oseguera that I was encroaching on his territory at the time. But I actually live much closer to this church than I do to Anaheim. I'm practically within walking distance of my house. It's a mile and a half. I googled it. Is that coincidence, do you think? Or more likely, God's providence working ahead of time? What do you think? I think God, with a wink in his eye, was arranging things ahead of time. So I want to say thank you, Lord, for working this out so nicely. Today, I want to talk with you about the majesty and the splendor and the riches of God. They are many and they are great. Amen, church? Isn't the Lord just marvelous to behold, even in our mind's eye? 
If you haven't done it recently, I recommend you, perhaps this afternoon or this evening, whenever you have a time, to get a Bible, go to a quiet spot, and pray to the Lord for his accompanying spirit, and read Revelation chapters 4 and 5. We often think of the book of Revelation as scary, as intimidating, I don't want to open that, but you may be aware, or may not, that the book of Revelation is far more glorious and positive than it is dark and scary. And we can miss out on the glorious parts because we're worried about the scary parts. Revelation 4 and 5 contain some of the most glorious descriptions that I have beheld. And I encourage you to read it if you haven't done so recently. And to close your eyes and imagine it. And just spend time in the adoration of the Lord. Enthroned on high, arrayed in splendor. Great are you, Lord, and worthy to be praised. I urge it upon you today. The book of Revelation is not just there to give us information, but it gives us a description of realities beyond our seen world, which one day, one day soon, I believe, we will behold with our eyes. But we can already have the blessing in anticipation as we behold it in our imaginations. Thanks to God for having communicated to us through his word. God's unsurpassed beauty and splendor are revealed in various ways. I hope you've experienced many of them. There are so many of them here in Southern California. And I pray that we would be inclined as we are going about our day to see them when they are present. Anybody see the rainbow that was there after church a couple of weeks ago? It was kind of a rainy, cloudy Sabbath like this. And we came out and there was a glorious rainbow. Praise the Lord for his messages of love amidst the dark and story times. You may have heard pastors and theologians at times speak of two revelations or revealings of God, general revelation and special revelation. General revelation, first of all, refers to nature, that though fallen, though corrupted through millennia of sin, nature still shows God's unsurpassed qualities through the breadth of the sea, the heights of the mountains, the scope and size of the starry host. And our relative smallness and fragility in contrast, we are shown the immense power of God, both on the grand scale, think of the monoliths of Yosemite or Zion National Park if you've been to those places recently, think of the jagged horizons of mountain ranges, of seascapes, think of the swirls of galaxies, God's majesty is shown on the grand scale, but also on the small scale. Have you ever picked up a leaf and looked at the veins on the back of it? It's an amazing pattern, isn't it? Or gone through a garden and seen the symmetry of the flowers and the brilliant colors presented. Thank you for presenting the flowers to us. That was a pleasant surprise today. A description of God's beauty. God's brilliant design is shown down to the microscopic. I'm sure when the microscope was invented, scientists found new reasons to gasp and marvel. You've likely seen diagrams of cells and molecules, the symmetry and design of DNA. You can find these in any science book, and they all testify to God's brilliance and beauty and function in design, unsurpassed by human artistry and organization. This will also sound a little bit crazy, but I have also sat in awe and practically in tears with a 10th grade science book on my lap, open, just marveling at the wonders of God to create everything from the weather patterns to our own internal systems. The hand of God is just revealed everywhere. Ellen White in chapter one of Steps to Christ talks about the natural world testifying of God's unsurpassed characteristics and his immense love for us. 
I recommend that you read that too if you haven't done so recently. I'm really giving homework here, right? Revelation chapters 4 and 5, first chapter of Steps to Christ. But you may just swoon with love for God again. And I think that the Lord would have us be madly in love with him as he is in love with us. Additionally, Psalm chapter 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. It's something for me to think when I'm in a clear space, in a dark space at night, to look up and consider I'm seeing the same stars as Abraham. When God said, look up to the heavens and count the stars if you can, so will your descendancy be, and all nations will be blessed through your descendants. Several chapters later, Psalm chapter 36 says, Your love, O Yahweh, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, and your justice like the great deep. You, O Lord, preserve both people and animals. Let's reflect on nature and how it reveals God's characteristics. The Apostle Paul says something similar in the New Testament. Revelation, sorry, Romans chapter 1. Apostle Paul says, What may be known about God is plain to people. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You know what that means? When judgment day comes and we stand before the Lord, nobody is going to say, I had no idea. I had no way to know. He is showing his steadfastness, his his brilliance, his genius, his love through the natural world, although marred and scarred. Can we say praise the Lord for general revelation, friends? Can you say it? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for so many surpassing characteristics being revealed through nature. Though marred by sin, it is still an excellent testimony to God's creative brilliance. Then, beyond general revelation, we have the second level of revelation that's called special revelation. This is where God reveals to us more specifically his character, his desires for us, his plan of salvation. In the specific revelation of the Bible, we learn the history of Israel. We learn instructions like the Ten Commandments. We learn the plan of salvation, of course, the cross of Calvary, the empty tomb. The plan of salvation's current stage of Christ's ministry in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. And the great culmination of prophecy and history in Jesus' second coming. That's the blessed hope, and may it be soon, dear Jesus. Specific information that is not derived specifically from nature. There's enough in nature to show God is there, but much more specific knowledge in the Bible, and I praise the Lord for it. God's special revelation of the Bible includes practical instructions for day-by-day life, how we find a Savior and a friend in Jesus, how we may live in Christian community, and how we walk in faith together until the day of Christ Jesus. It's a blessed journey, is it not, friends? It's a blessed fellowship. And I praise the Lord for, yes, his instruction book, but more aptly put, his love letter to humanity. Amen? God's love revealed through nature. God's love revealed through the written word. Praise the Lord for both of these revelations. Praise the Lord for the revealing of his principles and his salvation. 
So those are the two revelations that many theologians and pastors will talk about. But I got to thinking a couple of weeks ago, is it possible that there isn't a third level of revelation as well? Sadly, we've had a string of funerals over at Anaheim Church. We've had about six funerals there since October. And it's sad, but it's also a beautiful time for people to unite in love and hope in Jesus and what we yearn for in the second coming. So we were having a funeral at Anaheim Church a couple of Sabbaths back. In fact, Genevieve was there. Um, Thank you very much for providing beautiful music for that funeral. And we were remembering just the most wonderful man, a stalwart, steady, wonderful elder of the church, had been a pastor for more than a decade, had been a hospital chaplain for several decades, And I was just reflecting how God had blessed all of us with this special, wonderful, loving man who through decades of loving service had showed admirable qualities of steadfastness, love, service, and dedication. Often it's at funerals, isn't it, that we stop and reflect, boy, what a treasure that person was. Why don't we treasure these people while they're alive? And it dawned on me, even as I was standing up front in that funeral, we had the casket in front, casket open, But I thought, we've got 150 other wonderful combinations of personalities and talents, characteristics and qualities gathered together right here, right now, alive. We should be marveling at the living testimony of God's greatness as revealed in the different abilities and intelligences, characteristics and skills and unique combinations of wonderful qualities that this combination of people has. God is the giver of every good gift, as is affirmed in James 1.17. And in many cases, if we were to count our blessings and our biggest gifts in life, wouldn't it be the people that God has surrounded us with? You can very likely identify with me that physical gifts and presents kind of lose their luster after you pass through the teenage years. Don't we find that time with people is so much more valuable? I used to look forward to Christmas because it meant presents. Now I look forward to Christmas because it means unhurried time off with the people that are near and dear to me. How many of us would rather get an iPad or have an uninterrupted day of togetherness with just a few people most treasured by you? I hope you're resonating with the people more than the physical gift. What have you? Church members, these things are God's gift to us to savor the richness of the diversity and the beauty that God has given. Visible diversity, yes, I see it here, various heights and skin colors and hairstyles, all the different things, but also those gems of beauty that only come forth once you dig a little bit, once you talk to people and learn about them. This is why I wish I could spend an hour with everybody individually today getting to know each other, hearing the stories, discussing fascinating ideas, sharing testimonies, perhaps stories where the hand of God has been evident in your life. Every church I've known has several miracle stories, and I love hearing miracle stories, knowing how God is acting in the here and now. We can actually build gratitude to God two ways at once, when we appreciate the person themselves and the marvelous work that God has done for them and through them. Our faith is strengthened through another form of revelation, beyond the beauty of nature, beyond the written word, the living body of the church. Maybe at that funeral a couple weeks back, at the end of that string of funerals, I got a wake-up call for me that we need to value, treasure, spend time with, and see God through the people that we encounter. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about personal infallibility here. I'm not talking about pantheism. 
But wouldn't you agree with me that there is a richness to people that is too often overlooked? We say hi, we say bye, we take it for granted, we're going to see them the next time. And it's only at funerals that we say, if only we treasured them. Friends, this can be a day for treasuring. I understand that this church had a loss this week, and I weep with you for that. I understand a longtime legacy member of the church. I don't know the family yet, but I know that everybody has a hole in their heart. Maybe we all wish we could have a few more minutes with that gentleman who passed away. We don't have a few more minutes with them, but you know who we do have a few minutes with today? Each other here now. Let's do the things here now, that, the kind of things that we wish we did at funerals. Amen? Amen. There is a richness to people that is too often overlooked, particularly people with a heart of love for the Lord who have long journeyed with the Lord. I pray that we could appreciate and praise God for the diverse and wonderful people in this community and so many others. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen. Praise God for his third revelation, his glory shown through people near and far. Every chance we get to know somebody is to perceive a child of God and learn a new dimension of his greatness as expressed through this person that I'm encountering or that I am meeting. Now, before I conclude today, I want to talk about one other thing, a complicating factor in this idea of people revealing God's gorgeous brilliance, and that is the aspect of scars. Because some of us or many of us who are listening to this sermon today may be thinking, that sounds so nice, Pastor, but that just doesn't apply to me. What the pastor's saying is probably true for some other people, those who are all put together. But if people could see the mess I am inside, they would more likely probably recoil with horror. I want to take a little time to talk about scars today. Not merely the physical surface level scars, but those deeper emotional scars. How many of us, if we examine our hearts for just a minute, how many of us have pain and hurt and damage in our hearts? Do we think that anyone in this church gets off scot-free? Do we think that anyone in this church does not bear some scars of pain or loss, neglect or abandonment or abuse or worse? I tell you, I've got scars inside. Even though my life externally has looked pretty good, pretty straight arrow for the most part, my internals are full of shards of broken glass also. I have been crying on the therapist's couch before. More than once, actually. And though maybe not all of us have done exactly that, all of us probably could. In fact, Scripture says there's not one of us who isn't affected adversely by the war that is going on, the great controversy. Job 14.1, the one who knew scars and suffering more than hopefully any of us in this church, Job said, man born of woman is of but few days and full of trouble. Jesus also made the universal statement, in this world... You might, you should, you probably, you will have trouble. Absolutely, you will have trouble. And we praise the Lord for the second half of the verse, right? We can take great heart because troubles will not have the last say as Jesus has overcome the world. But scars, of course, begin as wounds. Before they are nice and look mostly okay, they are gushing, they are throbbing, they are hurting, they're sending signals to our brain, so painful. And we all begin as victims of sin in this world affected by the great controversy. We all begin as victims before we turn into perpetrators. We acquire wounds, but given time and patience, those wounds do heal. The, the sharpness of the pain deadens over time, and they turn into scars. 
What do people generally do with scars after they've healed but they're still visible? Among men, at least, we like to talk about our scars. We show them off. We tell the stories that the scars came from sometimes. Some people will actually harm themselves with piercing and tattoos so that they can have stories to talk about. It's kind of a conversation opener, discussion starter. We don't advocate that here. But people will harm their bodies so that they can share what's important to them. A couple of the physical scars I have, I've got a kind of a long gash on my left thumb that I got at Corona del Barm Beach when I was crawling as a baby, crawled on some broken glass, still have the scar. I've also got two little dots in my right knee. That's where I wiped out on my bike on a gravelly corner a couple blocks from my house when I was nine years old. Uh, went into the skin. My dad said to the doctor, should we remove it? It wasn't hurting me, wasn't harming me, so the gravel stayed in my skin. Eventually my body absorbed the gravel, but I still got two dark spots where the gravel was embedded in my skin. I could also tell you about knee dislocations. I don't have scars for those, but injuries make interesting stories about our past. More important than the external scars are the internal ones, the ones that we generally don't want to talk about us. Not one of us can even go two or three years probably without accumulating a significant scar from this great controversy. A job loss, a bad health diagnosis, a relationship that gets broken, death of a loved one. For children, often their first introduction to a serious Grief is the death of a pet. That's a serious one. Even for grown-ups, the death of a pet. I, as a grown man, have wept over animals a couple of times. Nobody gets away from the great controversy without accumulating wounds and scars. Jesus also bears the wounds of the great controversy, does he not? If we should be trying to hide our scars and say, I've got no scars... Is Jesus doing the same thing? What did Jesus say when he showed up, when he talked to Thomas? Look at my scars. Put your finger in the, in the spot in my side and put your fingers in my hands here. These scars of Jesus will remain. Jesus came, yes, to heal our scars, but also to acquire some scars himself. Amen? Physical scars, but that represent so much more. Jesus went to the absolute bottom depth of sorrow and suffering far deeper than I believe you or I ever could, farther than Job went. And so for us to hide our scars, to metaphorically wear the mask, we're happy Christians, we're at church, is actually to not be genuine. And I would propose to you, it actually limits the greatness of God's third revelation. We shouldn't push to talk about those things before we're ready, but once we have, once that wound has healed over and it is somewhat of a scar, God may be enabling us to reach to another person who is going through the same kind of wound. It could be addiction, it could be abandonment, it could be something from their childhood, it could be something from a current relationship. The hardships we face enable us and equip us to reach out to others, amen? Jesus bore our infirmities and shared our sorrows so that he could identify with us, so that he could be our sympathetic high priest in the heavenly kingdom. If he had come and he'd stayed at arm's length, right, not getting emotionally involved, I praise the Lord that he came and he touched lepers and he wept with people because it was that important that heaven come down and interact with earth that we may be pulled up to heaven with Jesus. Jesus bears the scars for our salvation. He does and he will forever. Those scars will continue to remind us of the story of how terrible the great controversy was. But also, more than the terribleness of the great controversy, how much greater the love of God was to come and to overcome the deepness of the sorrow and the sadness of the great controversy. Those scars are the willing marks of God's surpassing love 
that overcomes all the darkness and the sorrow. Those scars of Jesus exist to serve an eternal purpose that we may remember for the eons of eternity, that we may look and behold and say, never again, never again will we hurt the heart of our God and the body of our Lord through sin. Your scars may serve a purpose too in the short term before Jesus comes to reach out, to relate to other hurting people, to attract them toward the healer of scars, toward the one who is prophesied to wipe every, ear from our, every tear from our eyes like we need. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Also Romans 8.18, I am convinced that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Sometimes, if you're anything like me, there have been times where you thought your scars could stop the whole process, could stop any hope of future happiness or life. This verse is such good, good, good news, not worth comparing. We won't get to heaven and say, this is twice as good as the pain I went through. This is three times more valuable. It will not, there will be no fraction or no decimal that we can put with it. Incomparable glory compared to a short period of suffering. Friends, I pray today that you will let your God-given beauty shine forth. I pray that you will be determined to be the third great revelation of God to the community of Orange here. Yes, they have nature. Yes, they have the written word. But many people don't pick up the written word. Many people don't notice nature until somebody brings their attention to it. May we walk next to people. May we make friends. May we create meaningful relationships, and may we point them to the Savior who gives us so much meaning in life. These will be the badges of honor that we have suffered yet endured for Christ's sake, despite the scars. As Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matt 5.16. I pray that can be true for each of us. Let's bow our heads as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your revealings, your revelations of yourself in life. Thank you for the beauty that we can see, just a short drive to the beach, just a short drive to the nature or the mountains, the hills. We, of course, have the stars above us. Thank you for the specific word in the Bible. Thank you for this community, Lord, because just the nature, just the Bible isn't enough. A visible body to attract people to you. I don't know these stories, dear Heavenly Father. I look forward to learning them over the coming days, weeks, months, years. But I look forward to being impressed and my appreciation of you, dear Lord, being deepened through the relationships here in this church. Pray a blessing on Pastor Sevilla, also for myself and our families, that we could integrate well and smoothly and uh, contentedly, Lord, both from the church's point of view as well as for us and our families. Please continue guiding, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for always holding a beacon of, forth, of hope before us, knowing that sin and sorrow, suffering and sadness will not have the last word, but only you, dear Jesus, on the day that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that you are Lord of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.